the Detroit Tigers sweep the New York Mets all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, May 5th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on the journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off of your first month. All righty. Well, the Detroit Tigers did it just as we all expected. They swept the New York Mets this week. Doubleheader on Wednesday. Took both from them in that one. One against Max Scherzer, and then they win 2 to nothing against the Mets on Thursday afternoon against Justin Verlander in Comerica Park. He got a nice standing ovation to start off the ball game, gave a little uh, tip of the cap to the crowd and whatnot, and then uh, turned around and gave up two homers. And those would be the only runs scored in this baseball game. What a ball game. What a day. Uh, Let's start. Where do you want to start? We can start with the offense, I guess. The biggest story of this game, not even close, is Eduardo Rodriguez is on an absolute heater. He legitimately, over his last five starts, has a real case, and this is not me exaggerating, whatever, for best pitcher in baseball. Again, I'm not saying he is the best pitcher in baseball. I'm just saying over his last five starts, he has literally given up two runs total. And so, like, he he has has like a .4 ERA over his last five starts. We can go through his line at the end, but I guess we can just start there now that we're already talking about it. Erod has been an absolute monster. When he is on, he is the definition of what Scott Harris wants in a pitcher, right? We talk about dominating the strike zone. That is exactly what Eduardo Rodriguez does when he is on top of his game. Incredible pitch mix in this one. 30 through 102 pitches total, 35 four-seam fastballs, 33 cutters, 16 sinkers, 13 change-ups, and five sliders for good measure as well. The change-up was fascinating to me because in the first five innings, I want to say, he had only thrown like five or six total and almost half of those or about half of those were all in one at bat to Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham just got a ton of of change-ups. It worked out well for him. Clearly, it was part of the scouting report. Um, But like in the first five innings, maybe even six, he just genuinely like he he barely touched the change-up unless (laughs) Pham was at the plate. And then At the end of the outing, when the velocity maybe started dropping a little bit, maybe some fatigue started setting in, he went to the changeup and it was absolutely lethal. So the ability to to reach back and just go to any pitch at any given moment is obviously a huge, huge, huge thing for him. But we talk about it all the time. The reason 
why Eduardo Rodriguez is so good when he is on is because all of his pitches are tunneled perfectly. They're all like a, a, a variation of the same pitch, right? He has a straight four-seam fastball. He has a cutter that moves a little bit, just a few inches to, to, to make you miss the barrel, get weak contact. He has a sinker, which moves the other way, opposite as the cutter but still looks like a fastball coming in. He has a changeup, which notoriously for 100 years is the off-speed pitch that looks like a fastball going in. And then if he feels like it, he throws 5 to 10 sliders a game. It, it, it's, it's lights out stuff, and he is not afraid to challenge you anywhere in the strike zone with any of his pitches. The The best example of this in this ballgame particularly was it was the at bat I think it was to Alvarez I want to say it was to Alvarez the uh the, the catcher for the Mets former uh top prospect in baseball and it was an 0-2 count and Alvarez worked it full this is later this is like sixth or seventh inning by the way Alvarez works a full count and Erod is not going to walk you. Uh, in this last five games stretch as well, I think he only has three total walks <laughs> in his last five games. He's not going to walk you. You're not going to get put on base by him. He had one walk today, and that was his first in a, in a couple outings. So uh, he's going to challenge you. You have to beat him. He's not going to beat himself. And that's what I love and appreciate so much about the way he pitches. And in this at-bat, he worked the count full, and then he said, okay, well, here is not a fastball right down the middle, but here's a cutter, middle-ish, middle part of the plate, but running in on the hands. Alvarez batting right-handed, Erod obviously a lefty. We ground ball to second base. Like that is, is what makes him so effective is because he doesn't, he can challenge you whenever he wants. He doesn't need to, to fear walking you. He doesn't need to nibble. You have no clue which of his, like, 83 variations of a fastball is coming at you. And, and that's why the pitch mix is important. And obviously, without overpowering velocity, the, uh, the the command is important. But it's been pretty good all season. And he is on an absolute tear over his last five. Now, eventually, this is going to lead to some pretty, I won't call it difficult, but some, some pretty real conversations as the season goes along about when and if to trade Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, I have been very open with y'all since January, okay, about the fact that he's opting out. There, without, uh, especially with the way he's pitching lately, he's opting out, okay? It's going to happen. So we, we, can, we can at least have that in the back of our heads. There's no suspicion there. Just believe that he's opting out because at, at this point, I would be jaw to the floor stunned if he didn't. So then the conversation becomes, okay, well, then at the deadline, when the Tigers inevitably are, are under 500 and not in, in a real competition for the postseason, you trade him. And if he keeps pitching like he is, I'm not saying that a point five ERA or whatever he has over his last five starts is sustainable, but he's got a one eight ERA on the season. Even if that creeps back up to like a, like a two five ERA, you're still talking about comfortably the best year of Eduardo Rodriguez's career. And you're going to be able to flip him and we're going to see for the first time mid season, 
Obviously, we saw the Gregory Soto and Joe Jimenez trades, but we're going to see the first deadline with Scott Harris in charge and what he can get for Erod. Now, the other side of that is the more difficult conversation and the one that it is far too early to say what direction you... You can say right now which direction you're leaning, but it's impossible on May 5th to say confidently with with a hundred percent confidence which side of this line you fall on I think and that is you just say forget the opt-out almost just cursed you just say forget the opt-out forget trading him at the deadline the market's not going to be there for a rental no matter how good he's pitching let's just say forget it and and sign him to a new contract extension type of thing and pay him we're far from that conversation. We're certainly not having it today. We're going to focus on this ball game, talk about this win. We're probably months away from this conversation, to be completely honest with you. I don't think we're anywhere near it. Um, but that's kind of, we can kind of plant that seed now and come back to it later. Put a pin in it and come back to it later. Um, but the fact of the matter is, with his current contract, we'll put it that way, there's no way he's on this team on August 1st. And with the way he's pitching, hopefully you can get a nice a nice return for him. But this was a masterclass performance. Dotting all over. And the thing that makes it, well, let's get to an ad break. And then I'll talk about what part of his, not repertoire, but part of his demeanor on the mound I appreciate the most. Okay, we'll get into that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Rocket Money. Try it, th- try it free for 30 days. There's a tongue twister for you. We've heard it a million times. It's just enough time to buy it and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they have forgotten about. You could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for the old ones you don't use. It's Clutch, the definition of clutch. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Stop throwing money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. I appreciate y'all, especially appreciate the everydayers that do truly turn in, turn in, tune in every single day. We'll be back on Monday recapping a series against the St. Louis Cardinals, who hopefully I have time at the end of this episode to talk about for a little bit because they have been brutal this season and are coming off of a sweep to the Los Angeles Angels uh, of Anaheim. I'm going to keep throwing that in there, whether it's true or not, because I love it. Um, So we'll we'll talk about that, hopefully, if we have time at the end, but that'll be Monday's show as well. Um, What a great ballgame. What a fantastic, fantastic ballgame. Tigers play a night game tonight at uh, on Friday, if you're listening to this on Friday, and then two day games on Saturday and Sunday. Um, And... You can catch every pitch of the Tigers hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SiriusXM app. Just search 
Tigers uh, locked on, also going to be a part of SiriusXM, which is super cool. Partnership done there. Okay. Eduardo Rodriguez, last thing on him, okay? Last thing, and then we'll get into uh, the the Alex Lang, who's just unbelievable, and then the offense. We got so much to cover still. The the thing that I think I may love most about Erod, I feel like I just said that five minutes ago when I was talking about how he's not going to draw walks and, and he's going to force you to beat him. I do love that. But he is not afraid to go inside to righties even with stuff that tops out at like 92, 93 miles an hour. And it's so impressive. Just no fear of throwing any of his pitches anywhere in the strike zone. The utmost confidence that his cutter is going to like, okay, I was just about to say something crazy that I know I would have gotten a lot of heat for. I'm not comparing his cutter to Mariano Rivera. Just in the same essence, the same style of not afraid to throw it inside get weak ground balls, saw a, a bat in half or two. You know what I mean? That I, I really do love. I'm, again, not comparing the two pitches whatsoever. But Eduardo Rodriguez's cutter has been one of the better pitches in baseball this season. Just a, a, like I said, masterclass. Masterclass performance. I love watching him pitch. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a, a lot more discussions about the future of Erod as we get further into the season. And uh, that will you know, determine how much more I get to see Erod pitch in a Tigers uniform. So we'll talk about that later. But um, 2 nothing win for your Tigers. Let's let's just stick with pitching for now, and then we'll kind of do the offense all at once at the end. Uh, Alex Lang is unbelievable. He is absolutely filthy. There's, uh, th- there, there's a confidence in Alex Lang on the mound right now that I don't think I've ever had in – in Alex Lang. I, I mean, like, I have very vocally been one of his biggest supporters since, like, he was in AAA, you know, a couple of years ago. And I I don't think I, – I don't think there was ever a time in which I, I was this confident in him on the bump just because it, they're always in the back of your mind. You were like, eh, he might walk two hitters. Like, that, that was always kind of creeping up back there. And while the command this season has not been Greg Maddox, he doesn't need it to be right? He literally doesn't need it to be. And the reason why he doesn't need it to be is because he has objectively two, arguably three of the nastiest pitches in the entire sport. His curveball is one of the most, was one of the most whiffed on curveballs in all of baseball. I think percentage wise, it was the most whiffed on curveball in baseball. I'm trying to think back to the Alex Lang player preview we did in spring training. And I definitely said it on there. Um, but like one of the best curveballs in baseball when it comes to whiff rate. And then his changeup last season was one of the most whiffed on changeups in baseball. Like it's like Devin Williams. And then I, I think there was maybe one other player. And then like Alex Lang. And the sinker is 98 miles an hour with like 82 feet of movement. I don't know why I love the number 82 today. I made that I made that joke earlier. But like and in this outing, the, he only he threw 13 pitches, four curveballs, only one changeup, went sinker heavy with eight sinkers thrown, got two called strikes, one swinging miss strike on the sinker, uh three whiffs total on 13 pitches, four swings, three whiffs. He's unhittable. He is literally unhittable. Man, what a what a fantastic, fantastic day 
of baseball. And, and again, you're just reiterating the point that the back of your bullpen, there's going to be a lot of questions about this pen throughout the season. I've reiterated that a million times. The the like fifth through eighth inning on any given night is gonna there's gonna be questions about who to go to. There's gonna be people that that uh complain about what Hinch does, whatever. But right now, as it stands, we all holding hands, eyes closed in unison, agree that if you're giving the ball to Foley or Lang in the ninth, we feel pretty darn good about our chances of winning a baseball game if they have the lead. Jason Foley's an automatic ground out, and Alex Lang is a walking with. Walking with is a bar. That is alliteration. WW, wow. That was an absolute banger. Shout out me. But like for real, that's that that is the confidence that both of these dudes have like sub one four ERAs. And we're in May. Fantastic stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Um I think that's it for the pitching side of things. Let's talk offense and then we'll talk Cardinals. Okay. Offensively, this ball game was was very far from a masterclass offensively, right? You scored two runs. The only two runs either team scored in this ball game were in the bottom of the first inning, back-to-back solo homers off of Justin Verlander in his first inning as a New York Met in Comerica Park after getting a standing ovation. Um, love JV forever. He's going to have 35 is going to be on that brick wall in center field very immediately, probably after he retires. And there's even a conversation about a statue out there as well for him. Uh, undoubtedly one of the greatest players in the history of the Detroit Tigers will always have a place in everybody's heart here. Um, that being said today, he was wearing Mets threads and it was really nice to hand him a loss in Comerica. I think the, the someone said this was his a hundredth game in Comerica Park that feels like it might not be true regardless beautiful absolutely beautiful that uh that the Tigers were able to win this ball game so let's talk about the solo homers and then we'll talk about the rest of the game and why there was no run scored after that okay because that shouldn't be overlooked we're not gonna sugarcoat and act like this was a a 10 to 1 route where everything went right for the Tigers they still took their lumps offensively, but uh, we're really seeing Verlander well early. And uh, like the first seven batters of the game all had 90 plus exit velo outs or homers, just 90 plus exit velo batted ball events against Verlander. McKinstry leadoff was like hit a ball like 100 miles an hour. Then you have Riley Green. Ver, that curveball, it was definitely higher than he wanted it. I think he wanted it like ball low, kind of near the shins, um, and, it, and it caught the strike zone. But it wasn't like it was belt high. That was a curveball low, a low and in strike. And Riley, I almost started crying. I, I literally almost started bawling my eyes out. A home run to the pull side, and it was absolutely smoked. It was a rocket, okay? And it was on a pitch, again, low and in. The pitch that that anything inside to Riley Green so far this season has just been an automatic ground out to second base. And not today. Not today. It's just nice to win one, you know? Not today. Absolutely smoked a baseball. Deposited it into right field. And then, what, a pitch later? Was it a first pitch? I'm trying to remember. But uh, Verlander just tried to sneak a fastball by Javi on the outside part of the plate. Javi Baez took it the opposite way. Two home runs in two days. He has been on fire since getting benched. 
Okay, he went through one series. I think it was the Baltimore series when really no everyone sucked. Um, but uh, the the Baltimore series, he struggled. And outside of that, even if you include that, he's got an OPS well over 800 since getting benched. Um, but if you take that out, you're talking about really, really good numbers. And I know that's a dangerous game and a slippery slope. Well, if you take out the bad games, he's doing well. I'm not trying to be that person. But um, I, even if you add, like I said, even if you throw in the Baltimore games, you're talking about cut and dry difference of numbers, like 300 whatever OPS before getting benched and well over 800 sets. So fantastic to see Javi finally uh, finally getting the, the, the ball rolling and swinging a hot stick. Okay, let's talk about uh, the, this offensive performance as a team again because there, there were some good to take from it and there is still plenty of areas for improvement offensively. We will do that right after I tell y'all about BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Uh, I, I say it pretty much every time we talk about BetterHelp on here, but I have been a huge advocate for therapy. I end every show with going to therapy is dope, right? Uh, not, not a secret to anybody. I've been going myself for, I think it's like pushing six years now, definitely five um, and it's it's one of the best decisions I ever made, but it was a very difficult decision to make at the time. And uh, it, it's just it's something that even if you're not struggling, it's just a way to find out more about yourself. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Just learn why you react to certain situations the way you do. Learn about uh, just just learning more about you, increasing your relationship with yourself can never be a bad thing in my eyes. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. An awesome feature. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on MLB. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment here. Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. Winning's fun, ain't it? Ain't winning fun. Golly. Okay. So uh, two to nothing victory for the Detroit Tigers over the New York Mets on Thursday afternoon. Um, so, a lot of hard hit balls early. Like I said, that, that's what I was going. Oh, also, Javi, really quickly, did get hit in the hand again. I wanted to go out there and fight the entire Mets team. Uh, I, I was. I don't. I don't think I was upset as Javi. He was very upset as well. Um, but it looks like it got. Like if you watch the replay when you're holding the bat, like it looked like it got right here again. So he might be sore again. Uh, but clearly. That soreness has not stopped him from the, the power stroke is finally here to zero homers in all of April, two homers in what, three games in May. Fantastic stuff. So hopefully it's nothing, but he did stay in the ball game and like played on defense too. It wasn't just base running. So there's at least something uh, that feels like a good sign, right? I'm not a doctor as you all are abundantly aware of. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that everything's okay there, but just to get hit in the same spot again, it's happened, uh, twice now in like a week, 
really frustrating, I'm sure, for him. But uh, but hopefully, uh, I'm sure they'll do some preliminary x-rays again. But it doesn't sound like, at least right now, I don't want to jinx it, knock on wood, that it's anything too serious. And like I said, he was able to stay in the game, which is nice. Um, okay. So we'll have updates on that, obviously, throughout the weekend. Maybe he misses the first game if it's just sore again, but hopefully not not too much time, if any, missed. The offense as a whole hit Verlander hard a lot early. I think the – I mean, that was his first inning of the season. Like, you, you got to remember, he, he, he's been hurt. This was literally his Mets debut. So uh, the, the little bit of command stuff early on, but uh, pretty – clearly dialed in like a vintage Verlander outing to be honest with you um maybe gave up some home runs early and then just dialed it in and and was you know Tigers got uh he shoved honestly in his last three innings I want to say you ended up only going five but um the, the first two Tigers were hitting the ball hard and then three four five not as much um but yeah it, it was really just a command thing and also the fact that he was pretty much a two-pitch pitcher in this ballgame, which, I mean, Tigers Verlander obviously had, had what, four pitches that he went to the, the well to pretty often and even kind of five, depending on who you ask and what day it was. But this outing was 79 pitches, 37 four-seam fastball, 34 slider. Only eight non-four-seams or sliders, and they were all eight curveballs. Uh, and the one was obviously absolutely crushed. So uh, interesting-ish development there, but he's been changing the type of pitcher he is to to be able to prolong his career even more ever since his last few years in Houston. So I don't know how much stock to really take in that, but uh, definitely something I noticed there was was pretty pretty heavy four seam and and slider there. Um, and yeah, the Tigers took advantage early. They really jumped all over the fastballs early. They were crushing them. A lot of loud outs, a lot of loud outs in the first two, two and a half innings of this ball game, which was nice to see. Um, but yeah, then he buckled down and, and the offense didn't do anything. Uh, the, pretty much the rest of the game. Um, so 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position, five runners left on base. We're, we're, we've seen this movie before. Um, thankfully, Eduardo Rodriguez was... On uh, not unhittable, but he was was phenomenal, and then Alex Lang kind of is unhittable at the moment, uh, and, and so the Tigers are able to hold on to the victory there. But yeah, still some work to do. Uh, individual performances, I think, is kind of where this is going to be more of a conversation uh, for a, a show like today because we we've seen this movie so many times with kind of just like team offensive performances. Uh, McKinstry, I think, is still seeing the ball pretty well. Riley Green, obviously two hits. One of them was smoked. Javi Baez, one for three with the hit by pitch. Um, Nick Maton, that's who I wanted to talk about for sure. 0 for 4 with three Ks, 156 average. Look, I I said it last week. It doesn't matter how many counts you work. It doesn't matter if the the pitchers are throwing a lot of pitches against you. If you literally, like, can't hit the ball when it's in the strike zone. And the biggest thing for him – We've talked about it a lot as well. We talked about this in the, in in, like before he was even had played a game for the Tigers. We talked about this in like February and then again in the spring uh, during spring training in March, he has not shown the ability to hit the baseball. If it's not a fastball. And we talked about that a lot with um, uh, Kerry Carpenter as well. 
but that is very much a real thing for Nick Maton as well. He saw 24 pitches in this ball game, nine sliders, three cutters, three sweepers, two curveballs, the rest four seam fastballs. And he had five swings and misses, three of them on the slider. Also had a called strike on a, on a sweeper low and away and a cutter low and away. Uh, just it was getting a lot of spinny breaking pitches because the, the scouting report is out and he's got a 156 average in May. So he's going to have to make some adjustments and figure out how to hit non fastballs or else uh, again, you can't, you can't defend. I mean, I love him, right? The wolf man, but like we can't keep rolling somebody out there who, if you just throw only breaking balls against is a guaranteed out. So he's going to have to make adjustments. Uh, Torque 0 for 2 in this ballgame. Had a hit-by-pitch as well. Uh, had a really hard hit out. I know a lot of people don't really care when I say that anymore. Eric Haas with a hit. Uh, Andy Abanez has been hitting the ball pretty darn well lately. Um, only saw fastballs in this game, which was kind of fascinating to me. Saw four pitches. Had three at-bats, saw four pitches. All four seam fastballs, hitting them pretty hard. Um, got a hit in another hit in this one. I had a really good day yesterday, two days ago, as you're listening to this, against uh, the Mets in the doubleheader as well. So uh, we'll see kind of where he fits into things. But Jonathan Scope playing less. Andy Banya is playing more. Do with that what you will. And then Jake Rogers. This is where we'll end the show. Great defensive game by the Detroit Tigers in this one. And we've talked about that a lot Um Lately, how the Tigers uh, analytically have been one of the best defensive teams in all of baseball this season. This was a great defensive game uh, all around. I thought uh, the outfield was really good defensively. The middle infield was solid. You know, Erod's going to be uh, a pitch to weak contact guy, so you got to be ready for ground balls. Andy Abanez made a beautiful play to his left side uh, late in a ball game, in a ball game, in the ball game, uh, which was really nice to see. But Jake Rogers, man. What a, he is a fantastic catcher. He is so, so, so good at his job. And in this game, he caught two runners stealing, which I don't blame the Mets, I guess, for like their offense wasn't clicking. They couldn't hit Erod. Do whatever you can to try to get a runner in scoring position. But um, through two runners out in this ball game, the first one was just the definition of swagger. Like, he throws him out and he like started walking off, off the field before the tag was even made and before the out was even called. Great stuff. And then another one on, what was that, Brandon Nimmo later in the game. Um, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And he is in the 84th percentile in pitch framing as well. Do not get it twisted. Yes, the strike zone was not fantastic in this game. I'm not going to go for to bat for the own plate umpire in this one. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that Jake Rogers is an unbelievable pitch framer. And that is one of my favorite things that I think is going to go away in baseball really soon. And that makes me really sad, but it's still here for now. And Jake Rogers is darn good at it. All right. Don't really have too much time to talk about the Cardinals, but all you really need to know about them is that they are 10 and 22. uh, Just got swept by the Los Angeles angels. 10 and 22, by the way, is the worst record in the national league. And the third worst record in all of baseball. The only teams with a worse record at the time of this recording than the Cardinals is the Kansas City Royals and the Oakland Athletics. Um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because the plan they're one in nine and on a six-game losing streak. 
I, I don't want to get crazy with it. And I'm certainly not going to call the series winnable. We know that that's a cursed phrase on this show. Um, but uh, th- they are they are really, really struggling lately. And it's this weird combination of the offense goes away when the pitching shows up and the pitching goes away when the offense shows up. And they just can't get everything to, to click. Uh, Arenado's had a weird year. There's a lot of suspicion that like he's maybe playing through an injury or something. If you look at him swing the bat, just doesn't look like normal, normal Nolan Arenado. Uh, it's, it's been a really, really weird year for the Cardinals. Um, and that pitching staff, while not everyone on there has like a seven ERA could certainly be a lot better. A lot of question marks in their bullpen, a lot of holes in the lineup right now. Uh, but if they went out there and looked like the normal Cardinals, it wouldn't shock me. This is still a really solid roster that won the division last year, has two of the best players in the entire game of baseball on it. What was it, first and third for NL MVP last year in in Goldschmidt and Arenado? Um, and yeah, you, I, th- I think you're getting Jordan Montgomery game one. Uh, he's had an okay year, 3-8-ish ERA. Uh, really kind of like Jordan Montgomery. He was really good after they acquired him in the second half of, uh, of last season. And, and that seems to have carried over at least somewhat this year. So um, it, it, it's still the Cardinals. Like it's still, they still have their, you know, magic Cardinals things they do. And they're, they're still going to be, I, I'm not saying that this is like, we're not facing the A's right now, even though the record isn't too much different, weirdly enough. Okay. So, uh, Let's go win some ball games, though. Two day games, Saturday and Sunday, both day games, and then a nightcap on Friday. All right? Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back on Monday, hopefully recapping a successful series against the St. Louis Cardinals. There is few things I love more on this planet than beating the St. Louis Cardinals. Very few. And the more you know me, the more you realize how true that is. Very, very, very few things. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun weekend. All right. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you on Monday, baby. Go Tigers.